Welcome to episode 5 of the F1 show for the 2007 Canadian Grand Prix. I'm Robin Warner. And I'm Jim Lau, and we had a super mega dramatic weekend this weekend. Absolutely. I mean, all I can say is wow. In a race weekend filled with more plot twists than a Scorsese film, McLaren driver Lewis Hamilton first impressed with a perfect lap for pole position and then wowed everyone with a sensational win, the first of his career. He was not followed by his teammate Fernando Alonso, who finished 7th after a sloppy drive that included serving a penalty for entering the pits while closed, or Massa, whose Ferrari was black flagged after ignoring a penalty, his for exiting the pits with a red light lit, nor did Raikkonen, who basically sucked and can only imagine 5th in the second Ferrari. No, Hamilton was followed by German Nick Heidfeld in the BMW Sauber, who was competitive all race weekend and Alexander Wirtz in the Williams Toyota, who made the most of attrition and four safety car cautions. Fourth place went to Heike Kovalainen, who kept his Renault unscathed throughout the hectic race, despite having two wrecks and an engine failure, failure during practice and qualifying. And our boy, Takuma Sato, once again drove brilliantly to finish sixth, scoring three points for Super Aguri. Oh, and uh, slow Ralph Schumacher kept his nose clean and managed to finish eight. Collecting a point. Wow. So here we have it. I think you can look at my notes during the race, uh, and it's just amazing. We have ten people out of the race. We had four safety car cautions. And other than Hamilton winning the race, I mean, it was chaos. Yeah, I want to start at the beginning. Um, that's, I think, the only way to sort of approach this crazy weekend um, with qualifying. And... Uh, Fernando Alonso just couldn't put it together. He had a decent lap in the bank, a second-place lap, and then on his on his final flyer on good tires and light fuel and everything else, the last lap after the flag, the checkered flag was out, he just had a wiggle and, and the last corner and just couldn't make it a you know couldn't make a, a good lap out of it. So you know basically one mistake. And the whole point of this knockout qualifying and these qualifying sessions, rather than rather than the one flying lap rules, was that you can have a couple of laps going, and you didn't just have one shot to do it. But basically, it comes down to you have one shot. At the end of Q3, after you've done through all the rigmarole of Q, uh, or at the end of the, the first qualifying knockout session, the second knockout session, you're down to the top 10 cars. And then once you go through all running out all your fuel, and then you get fresh tires and fresh fuel, or no fuel, just low, light fuel and fresh tires, it basically still comes down to one flying lap in qualifying. And um, it, I was So Alonso basically lost that lap, gave the pole to, to Lewis Hamilton, and uh, so he was just on cloud nine, and obviously he turned that, turned that into a race win without having to pass anyone, but uh, it was impressive drive to be able to keep himself out of the walls, which is more than a lot of the drivers could say for today. So good on Lewis for starting from pole, and, uh, and also just a quick note on the uh, Ralph Schumacher, who was knocked out in the first qualifying session, ended up qualifying well, well down the, uh, down the grid on the 18th or something. Um, just said, oh, the other lap was just, just because of traffic, you know, no other reason, no other problems on the car, just traffic. And again, which tells you that even though there's a whole session and the idea is he should have multiple chances to really put in a good lap, that he couldn't make one happen. Yeah, I, I think he's made an excuse. Everyone was out there. There were 21 other cars that managed to weigh around the track. You know, I, I don't see, sure, maybe he ran into traffic. Sure, that could happen. But I think given his performance, everyone like us is going to see it as an excuse and nothing more. But another another uh, interesting thing that happened during qualifying was Nick Heidfeld was actually penalized during qualifying. He lost his quickest lap 
in Q3. Because of the way he took a certain chicane, it's like he didn't really straight line it, but just really went across and didn't, you know, yeah. the stewards decided it didn't the, slow him down as much as it was designed to. The FIA decided that he cut the course and he went out and the, at the last pop, possible moments went out and just pulled off a great third place qualifying position. He really let loose on that lap and I think got absolutely the most out of that BMW. And also, I have to say that that lap by Lewis Hamilton was absolutely brilliant. I mean, he was super quick. Now, Alonso was faster than him in the first two sectors on his lap, but I'm not sure Al uh, Hamilton's third sector was quite good. I mean, he went through that last chicane really fast and really clean. I'm not sure Alonso would have had it either way. Yeah, the McLarens, they can really just just barrel over those curbs, and the, the car is just set up just seemed like it was perfect for this weekend, and obviously that turned into a victory for them, so that was brilliant. So a lot of the other cars, you could see that the Ferraris could attack the curbs pretty well, but the McLarens, I mean, they just they got the cars well onto the curbs and really bouncing them around, and that's what you have to do to get a quick lap around Canada. And some of the other cars, the other teams that couldn't do that, it just really showed in their lap times. They just couldn't get any results. Yeah, certainly uh, Renault did not have the same composure of the bumps, particularly Heike Kovalainen, who actually had a big crash during Q1 of qualifying. And the mechanics actually managed to fix the car during the session. And he, he got back out in the last 30 seconds and was able to get one hot lap in. And he, didn't, he wasn't able to get into Q2. And it actually didn't matter because he'd blown an engine in Friday, qual Friday practice. Yeah, the lap was good enough for uh, P19. But due to the uh, grid uh, penalty, he was, uh, had to start last on the grid on race day. So, yeah, that was qualifying. <laughs> okay, now Sunday the race starts. And... First couple of laps, well, before he even got off the green flag, there was already drama. Jensen Button couldn't even get his car moving. Yeah, he just had couldn't get it. It was stuck sort of between neutral and first or something and couldn't get it into first gear, couldn't, just couldn't make it work. So uh, they started around him. Fernando Alonso just went way wide in turn one and sort of straight-lined the chicane, rejoined, and, and actually just lost a spot to uh, he let Nick Heidfeld by. And uh, so basically it was a clean start for Lewis Hamilton. He was able to just go out and keep going. But Fernando Alonso kept running wide in turn one there. He did it three times in the first, you know, 10 or 15 laps of the race. Yeah, that was one of four times Orlando actually made a big noticeable mistake in the race. Three of those times was in turn one. And I think every time that cost him a position, too. It, it, it was remarkable to see Alonso drive as poorly as he did. And I don't know what would be the cause of that, but it was... Unfortunate to see, however, I'm sure his teammate Hamilton didn't mind it much at all. Because he was the only real threat to Hamilton, to be honest. I mean, the Ferraris didn't have uh, any real speed to match McLaren this weekend. And BMW Sauber had Heidfeld, but again, that would have been an outside chance. Yeah, and so it was really bizarre to see Alonso just starting from turn one. I mean, usually calm under pressure is the name of his game, and he just... I don't know if it's because he was starting on the outside pole and sort of following Hamilton into it, if it somehow messed up his uh, just the, his consciousness of, of what's going on or quite what would cause him to drive like that, but it was sort of out of character to see him drive that way. And speaking of out of character with poor driving, Kimi Raikkonen this weekend just kept making mistakes and was just driving poorly, and you know he said he's got to do well at this race or else he's pretty much out of championship hopes, and he certainly didn't do well in this race. Well, it's funny because my brother has gone on and on about how he thinks Massa is a better driver than Raikkonen. He's been catching a lot that of flack for that. That is not a popular point that of view. That is not a popular point of view. But every race, he has more and more evidence for his case. And this, like Monaco, 
was not a problem with the car. It wasn't bad luck. It was his performance. Yeah, the only reason that uh, Kimi finished and, and Felipe didn't was, like you mentioned in the race report, that uh, Felipe Massa e- ended up exiting the pits under a red red light. I mean, it was the pits were closed. He should he should have waited there until the light turned green. He just took off, and uh, so I mean, sure he didn't finish the race, but that's not a driving mistake. Uh, well, it's sorry, kind of a driving mistake, but um, it doesn't mean he's a better uh, better or worse driver than than Kimi Raikkonen. So it was weird to see Kimi off his form, uh, Fernando off his form, and. Lewis Hamilton just there to take advantage of the whole thing and just just had a dominant victory. I mean, he there was no lap that Lewis Hamilton didn't lead. It was just an amazing victory. Absolutely, and we're it wasn't as though Massa made the only mistake. I mean, Massa and uh, Fisichella, yeah, both got a black flag. They were disqualified from the race because they did not serve the penalty they were given for exiting the pits when they shouldn't have. And that is the first black flag in two years. It's a very uncommon thing to see mm-hmm. in F1. And it was, it was remarkable that that was happening. But also, Nico Rosberg and Alonso, as you said, they were served penalties for also entering the pits when they shouldn't have because of the rules that when there is a safety car caution, the pit lane is closed until all the cars are bunched up. Then, then the pits open up, and they went in, Alonso and Nico did, before the pits were open, so they had to serve 10-second penalties in their pit box. So they had to drive into the pits, sit in the box for 10 seconds, then leave. So there was pretty serious penalties. Massa and Fisichella didn't follow that rule when they when they did a similar penalty. They were black flag. But then on top of that, there were there were two gearbox failures, one for David Coulthard and one for a, a button that we mentioned earlier, and six accidents, including one very scary very sobering accent from BMW driver Robert Kubica. We want to talk all this pit lane closures and so on about the safety cars. There were four safety cars in this race. Um, the first one on lap 21, which was uh, Adrian Sutil and the Spiker, just got into the wall really hard at turn four. Um, and this is the safety car under which Alonso pitted and was later pen- penalized for. Um, and basically, Lewis Hamilton pulled into the pits at just the right time. I think it was their scheduled pit stop. And he, Lewis Hamilton just got super lucky that... Uh, on the lap in which he pulled into the pits is when this accident happened. So it bunched up the field with the safety car, and that's how he was able to get back out and have no problems. And he wasn't penalized for it because he was already in the pits before the, the accident in the safety car came out. And that was one thing they were talking about is perhaps Ferrari was betting on safety cars and hence had more fuel in the car, which is why they were slower in qualifying and didn't quite have the pace to keep up with the McLarens at the beginning of the race. Well, that all went out the window when... Hamilton got in the pits when he did, right before the safety car. Everyone else came in the safety car, so they were all on the same page. Yep. Any advantage was gone. And the Ferraris came out 12th and 16th. They actually stacked the pit stops because they've got the Ferrari team has only one pit box in which they can service their Just cars. Just like all the teams. Yeah, and so basically to get if both the cars are on the same lap and come in at the same time, it's really rare that we see that. But they pulled in, and one car gets serviced, and the other guy just has to stand behind there and wait. Um, they, you know, the cars go through there just, you know, one after another. But um, it's, you know, they put them out in 12th and 16th spot, and it just really jumbled the order. And it, it was sort of a strange way back because a lot of teams did that. Um, the the order just sort of got turned up on its head, and uh, except for Lewis Hamilton, who just got super lucky. Um, so the second safety car was only five laps later on lap 26, and that was Robert Kubica's huge accident. He actually had a 170 mile an hour impact. And the car rolled over several times. It flew through the air, ended up hitting two different walls, and just obliterated the car. 
just all, all the, the wings and the wheels and everything off the car, but the monocoque stayed intact. And uh, we've heard reports, some that say he, uh, Robert Kubica has a broken leg, and some that say he doesn't even have a, you know, doesn't even have that. It's just a sprain or something, and that he may even be driving next weekend at Indy. So just a testament to the safety of these cars that he can go through such a huge impact, you know, 170-mile-an-hour crash, which even five or ten years ago certainly could have been, a, you know, a fatal crash for a driver. Oh, absolutely. And uh, that, he could, that he didn't walk away from it, and he's in the hospital tonight, but, uh, you know, that he could even be racing again next weekend. So, you know, well done to uh, to get through that and, and, you know, probably pull his hands off the wheel at the right time to avoid his ar- his hands or, you know, fingers being broken and just to, you know, he was sort of along for the ride. But, you know, obviously we're really glad that he's okay and hope he can get back on his feet soon and, and, and you know, get better. Um, and that, that second safety car with, with Kubica's accident, um, the safety car was actually out for eight laps just because of the time it took to get the get Robert Kubica out of his car and clean up everything from that from that crash. And that, that was when Felipe Massa and Giancarlo Fisichella left the pits um, under the red light, and that's what they later got black flagged for. Um, and then the race went on for 22 more laps. Um, lap, lap 48 was uh, this third safety car period, and that was just Christian Albers and the spiker just went across the grass, it tore off his front wing, just put a bunch of crap on the track, and they had to... Uh, they had to clean that up and just, just debris going on. And then, and then just a couple laps later on, on lap 53, Tony Oliuzzi and his Scuderia Toro Rosso just got into the wall. And Champions it, corner. Yeah. It just Claimed another victim. Exactly. This, uh, this famous corner uh, the, right before the, uh, the front straight on uh, the, the circuit here. And uh, under that safety car, Yarno Truly actually, you know, as well the safety car was going on, Yarno Truly was in the pits, came out of the pits and just straight lined into a wall. Uh, we don't know if there was a suspension failure or quite what happened, but so the safety car had to stay out for another two laps. And by the time they got all that sorted out, there were only ten laps to go in the race. So really, just a topsy turvy race today. Yeah, it was. It was enough. There were four safety cars, which was a record for the Montreal race. And there was enough time in the safety car that the uh, <laughs> that the driver was starting to wear out because the safety car almost went off. Not really, but he got into the marbles and actually got yeah. pretty squirrely. The actual and pretty safety loose. car driver, yeah. The safety car almost almost spun. So it, it was a race that was extraordinarily entertaining, but also extraordinarily bizarre. And if we sound a little bit disconstrued right now, it's because there's so much to talk about and contain. Yeah, and everything, I mean, I guess going back earlier on in the race, um, had a, a, a funny moment with the in-car radio with, uh, with David Coulthard. Um, it was before his per- first pit stop, and the, uh, we, have, we have a clip of that here. We'll just, uh, we'll just play that for you now. Yeah, let's put this in context real quick. The mechanic, his uh, engineer, asked David Coulthard, how is the car? How is the car? How is the car? And for those who couldn't exactly hear what he said, he said, no good, doesn't turn, doesn't stop, no traction. But apart from that, it's great, having lots of fun. And for us, that's just brilliant. That is an excellent symbol or sign of David's character. He's a, he, his attitude in the car is quite good. Despite I thought you were going to give him a lot of crap for that, for being a whiny old man. But I guess if you think it's okay, I don't know. Yeah, he's a whiny old man, but hey... Still pretty clever on the radio. I mean, he's a whiny old man, but you got to give him. He that's the type of thing where some drivers would be really angry and upset. And David's one of those guys saying, "Yeah, the car sucks, but I'm in a Formula One race, having a great time." 
You know, and you gotta, I gotta give credit where credit's due there. Okay, but then later on in the race, David Coulthard just decided that the uh, the gearbox had given up and just drives off the track, having completed. Oh boy, how many laps? I don't have that in front of me anymore. Thirty-eight. Yeah. So yeah. He ended up just retiring it and uh, pulling, saying, "Hey, this is not working well enough. It's just another gearbox problem." Reconfirming his whiny old man status, but a funny whiny old man with his head in the right place. And let's go to the opposite of the whiny old man. Takuma Sato. Takuma Sato. Takuma Sato. Man, was he awesome today. F1 show favorite, and for good reason. He pulled... The entire living room erupted. And why? Because with two laps to go, Takuma Sato passed Alonso on the outside, entering the final chicane on the main straight. That was right after David Hobbs of Speed Channel went and said, Alonso will never let... Uh, Sato by Yeah, where Sato could, could catch up to him, but certainly not pass him. And he just did a, a great run across the back straight and ended up just, just yeah, passing him through there. And uh, just a fantastic pass and, you know, just proving why he just, he's he just a hungry young driver that just really just wants to do amazing things. And the fact that he could just get around Alonso in, in pretty dominant fashion. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just great. this is a man that Michael Schumacher couldn't pass for several laps. This is a man that... Almost no one can pass in almost any circumstance. And Sato just ate him for lunch. It was unbelievable. It was beautiful. And this was only a few laps after Sato made a great pass on Kimi Raikkonen. Yeah, I really doubt the Super Aguri guys expected that they'd be ending their weekend having put down some amazing passes on the Ferraris and the McLarens and uh, come home with a handful of points. Absolutely. Now, this is four points now for Super Aguri, and all four points have been scored by our man Sato. And that puts them four points ahead of... The factory Honda team, which has a big fat goose egg for championship points. It's just sad. Yeah, no big surprise that Scuderia Toro Rosso has zero. Honda, the factory team, has zero, which is a bit of a surprise. And then also the spikers, you know, they're just the typical backmarkers. But, I mean, it puts Super Aguri Honda on par with with uh, the Red Bull team and uh, just a couple, just two points behind Toyota, which, you know, the lowest budget to the biggest budget team right there. I mean, the difference, Toyota uh, reportedly has about a $500 million budget annually for Formula One. Super Aguri, uh, for their whole team, uh, spends about as much as Toyota pays Ralph Schumacher to drive their car. Yeah, that's, I heard Toyota spends more on stationary than Super Aguri spends in a year. That's probably true. So that makes I feel bad for Sato because he's worth more than Ralph Schumacher, if you ask me. Yeah, Ralph actually did okay this weekend, almost in spite of himself. Just because of all the attrition and because of the way the order got shuffled around, he had a decent result. But there has been a lot of talk lately that he's just not good enough, just not cutting it, and that they're going to take him out of the car. Yeah, well, okay, he had a terrible qualifying performance. He qualified 18th. He was letting everyone and their mother pass him during the race. He was slow, he's uncompetitive, and this is consistent. It's not like this is some, you know, strange occurrence. This is consistent, out, consistently outpaced by Truly. I don't see, I don't see his value. And when you see that he ended, yeah, eighth spot sounds decent, but out of 12 cars, it's really not that spectacular. So we'll have to see if he's racing in the car at Indy or if they actually put their, uh, one of the, their test driver in there, um, to, to, to race in his place. Cause, you know, Schumacher really seems like he's on the outs. I have a feeling that he's going to finish the year, but are they going to renew his contract? Are they going to renew his contract for over $20 million? I really doubt it. Yeah, I know. If I were in charge at Toyota, I would really think twice about doing that. With so much other good talent out there available, with good test drivers and other you know decent rookies that are up and coming, it'd be interesting to see who Toyota would get to replace Ralph Schumacher because I really feel like they could use a replacement. Yeah, Nelson Piquet Jr. for one. You know, He was a frontrunner in the GP2 championship. You know, there's there's lots of other t- young talent as well. There's Sebastian Vettel, the young sensation that's at BMW Sauber right now. Yeah. He's only 19. 
So yeah, there's there's plenty of people to fill Ralph Schumacher's shoes. Michael Schumacher's shoes have proven pretty hard to fill. The younger brother, not so much. Yeah. Although Lewis Hamilton, I don't know. I mean, I know we talk about the guy a lot, but uh, I mean, to have to start his Formula One career with a third place uh, position, the next four races finish second, and then to win his sixth sixth Grand Prix ever, it's just really amazing. And I think he could be, you know, the next up and coming just Formula One megastar. Well, it's interesting. Another fun s- statistic is that he's never finished a race farther down than he started. He's <laughs> he's always held position or improved. And I think, and the fact that his lowest starting position is third makes that even more impressive. Absolutely, you know, this is now six podiums in six races, and now a win within the first six races, and it's really incredible. And I am still sticking to what I've been saying the entire time. He's still a rookie. There's still lots of time, lots of things for him to learn. But God, is he good for how young he is and for how new he is to the sport? He's so well composed. I mean, okay, this was his first pole position. In a Formula One race, it turned out to be one of the most hectic Formula One races uh, in a long time. There were four safety cars, so he, every time he built up a lead, he lost it again. And none of this rattled him. And his teammate, the double world championship, in the meantime, was making mistakes left and right. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely a track that's very easy to just go off a little bit and get into a wall. It's not something, I mean, some people don't give him enough credit to say, hey, anyone can win a Formula One race when they don't have to pass anybody. But it's certainly, I mean, he had to push many times on restarts, on cold tires, and to be able to, you know, get back up to speed and just keep the car under him and, and just do well and, and avoid the walls really, I mean, just speaks to the, his driving ability, I think. Well, and now six races in, not only has he not done all the other things that just about every other rookie does their rookie season, he has won a race, several podiums, and he's leading the world championship on his own. By eight points. By eight points. Yeah, it's just a phenomenal result. And, I, you know, we're going to be in Indianapolis next weekend to see him in person and you know, I, I've got to, I've got to get some uh, Lewis Hamilton gear, like some, you know, hats and stuff, because I'm just such a huge fan, and, and it's just amazing to see I what he's done. I am getting some Sato gear. Yeah, dude, I'm gonna be super great out, like those two fans with the little, with the little hats. Yeah. Oh man, they could find only uh, when the camera, when, when they showed Takuma Sato's pass. It seems like the camera people can only find like two super agree fans in the field, and those guys were so happy. But they were super, super agree fans. Oh, man. It was hot. Super best friends team. Man. Now let's not, let's not discredit uh, Heidfeld here. Heidfeld drove really well throughout this race. He had that impressive qualifying run. Here's another guy that despite all the chaos, and he was mixed up in it a little bit more, pulled through, drove well, kept the car under him, and that BMW Sauber car is proving pretty competitive. It's got a lot of motor, which is easier to see on this long straights of uh, Montreal. But, I mean, he's really getting the most out of it, and BMW might even be the ones that give McLaren more of a run for their money than Ferrari as current trends continue. I doubt that's going to be the case throughout the season. Yeah, and this, like we said, this race got so mixed up that it's kind of hard to, you know, was the result because of the driver's abilities or was it just because of, you know, in the, in the case of the win, you know, just the luck when they went into the pits and everything. So one thing I think is reasonable to look at is actually the fastest lap. Sort of if you look at the race as a qualifying session, how well could, a, how, could all these cars get around the track? And uh, no surprise, the fastest two cars were the McLarens. I mean, Fernando Alonso actually did put in a, a faster lap than Lewis Hamilton at some point. Um, Nick Heidfeld was next, followed by the Ferraris. And then lower down is Nico Rosberg and the Williams. And actually, and uh, Alex Wirtz, who, who ended up on, in third place, 
um, was only the 11th fastest lap. So that sort of tells you that, not that his podium was a fluke by any means, but that it wasn't because of his super fast car, but just because of his just control in the race and, and keeping out of trouble and, and a bit of luck probably as far as getting shuffled around, that he was able to finish as well as he did. But Well, Vertz is one of those drivers. He had several years in Formula One, and then he was out of the race seat. He was a test driver for six years with McLaren for several years and then for, with Williams last year. And so he's just he's one of those guys with a ton of experience. He's not as fresh and as young and as hot as your Hamiltons, your Raikkonen's, your Alonzo's, but he's going to be a solid, consistent, proven driver, and that paid dividends in a race like this. And it's good to see him do well because, you know, the, the Williams, you know, they're sort of a mid-pack team right now. We don't always talk about what they do, so it's certainly good for them, you know, a good spirit lifter to get him on the podium and definitely get some points in the bag. And, you know, that, that's, that's good for them. I have to think that a lot of it is because of the, you know, the poor form of the Ferraris and, and you know, Alonzo's penalty and so on. But, uh, you know, certainly anyway, let's, you know, give some credit to, to Nick Heidfeld and Alex Wirtz for, for solid podium finishes today. Absolutely. And I cannot wait to see all these people in person next week. It's going to be so exciting. And if it's half as good as the Montreal race is, I'm going to be on cloud nine. For real, man. I mean, it's Indianapolis, so there's a pretty good chance that we'll see a pretty spectacular crash by Ralph Schumacher. And, nice. Uh, on, you know, turn nine there. Um, you know, and one way I like to see these races run is if you actually only have six cars start. I think that just makes the race really exciting. Um, yeah, at, I'm at hoping I'm hoping the Michelin cars really show up and do better this year. Yeah, that would that would be big. But no, seriously, we're having you know we're going to be. I don't know if we'll bring you live coverage or quite how we're going to bring it to you. It'll be liveish, liveish, live taped. But uh, we're going to find some way to get make our equipment portable and bring you some some cool live stuff from the uh, from the from the track. So um, look forward to some exciting stuff coming down the feed next week. And uh, for I guess hopefully we've covered as much as we possibly can about uh, this race. There's so much going on. It's so hard to keep up with. I really hope you got a chance to see this one. It, every lap had something interesting going on, and it was just blowing away. We were cheering. We were laughing. We were crying. It was amazing. It really was. And, and as always, if you have any uh, feedback, questions, suggestions, whatever, if, you, if we missed something entirely that uh, you, we forgot to talk about, send it to us, feedback at f1show.com. And as always, visit our website, just f1show.com. Leave comments on things, uh, post questions, anything you want, and uh, you can check out old episodes there. But until next week, only one week away till the USGP that we're going to see live, rock out, man. Aren't you Jim Lau? Oh, I am I'm Jim Robin Warren. I'm Jim Lau. See ya. Bye. How is the car? We can, you know.